Christmas People is the series we've been in throughout this month. We've talked about three different ones to this point. Eose. Tell me you've heard that word before. The Greek word for Joseph, which means to add to or let him add to. Joseph made a marvelous choice to bring himself under the plan of God and add to his life Miriam. We know the New Testament word for the Old Testament word, Miriam, Miriam, and that New Testament more common word or name is Mary. Joseph added to his life this betrothed teenage girl, probably 13 or 14 years of age, who was with child. And when he added to his life that woman to be his wife that he could have actually had stoned, he added instead to his life this wife, Miriam, Miriam, and when he did that, he also added this baby, Jesus, Jesus, God the Savior. The word Miriam, you'll remember, means in Hebrew, rebellion or bitter. And Miriam in the Old Testament was a bitter person who outwardly expressed her rebellion one day against Moses, and she paid the price for that. She became instantly leprous. And Moses intervened for her as her great intercessor that day, and God, after one week's time, interrupted the judgment on her life, leprosy, for being bitter and rebellious. God interrupted her life and healed her. And the Miriam of the New Testament saw herself much like the Miriam of the Old Testament. Mary in the New Testament knew she was giving birth to God, her Savior, who would save her from the judgment of her own rebellion, her own bitterness, her own sin. And that really is the Christmas story. Well, the Savior's born to Joseph and to Mary. What Christmas person could we add today? You just saw the bumper video. We add Elizabeth. We're really going back to before the nativity scene. Elizabeth is never seen at the nativity. I would love to have brought a carved olive wood uh, carving of Miriam to the platform this morning, but uh, she's just not at the nativity scene. But oh, she was an important part. In this gal's life, just before she gave birth, a few months before she gave birth to Jesus, God our Savior, Elizabeth is Elishabeth, which means, from two root words, oath or promise and bounty. God, by his promise, gave her bountiful fruit that would impact the then-known world. For you who know this story are well aware that this Elizabeth this Elizabeth, listen carefully, in her old age, God performed a miracle and enabled her to give birth to the forerunner of Jesus Christ. We know him as John the... Oh, come on, you are Baptist, so you should be able to catch up a little better than this. John the... Yeah the forerunner of the Messiah of Israel who would announce his coming. In her old age, God made a barren womb come alive. And in her own old age, she interacted with this teenage girl who came to visit her, who herself was bearing a child miraculously. 
And Luke chapter 1 fills us in on that interaction between Mary and Elizabeth. And I want to encourage you to open your Bibles there, your copy of the scriptures there. If you didn't bring your copy with you, it'll be on the screen as we read this interaction, this conversation between Mary and Elizabeth. The conversation opens with the angel of the Lord talking to Mary about Elizabeth. As we read the scriptures this morning, would you stand with me, please? The angel says, now indeed, Mary, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, or with God. Nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted, here she is, Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Or indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, thank you for letting us in on this conversation in which Elizabeth was a great encouragement to her teenage relative. I pray, Father, that you teach as much from her. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from this conversation, things that would transform and change us as we approach a new year. And if we need anything in the new year, it's what Elizabeth gave Mary. And if we need to be Anything in the new year is what Elizabeth was to Mary. Help us to be encouragers. Father, surely as you look from your throne on this group of people, you see needs, you see discouragements, you see need for comfort and help that we cannot possibly see. Father, I don't ask for eyes to see what only you can see, for man looks on the outward appearance, only you can look on the heart. But I do ask that you would take this great encourager, Elizabeth, and encourage whatever heart here this morning needs encouragement, and certainly encourage each other to be encouragers. In 2014, beginning on this, the last Sunday of 2013. Father, I need encouragers around me. I thank you for so many in this great assembly that have encouraged me and my bride, my family, in our life personally and in our ministry here. And I pray that will be an encouragement today and in the months that you give us until your next servant leader comes. And, oh God, I earnestly plead that he would be the kind of servant leader that comforts and encourages others with the same kind of encouragement he's gotten from above. And I pray that neither I nor he nor anyone else who ever stands before this congregation would ever seek to be an encouragement without first having received it from above and then passing it on. 
What a privilege it is to look at Elizabeth today. Help her, help us to follow in her model for the sake of the people whom you love, for the sake of the world whom you sent your son to die for. Help them to see the kind of encouragement that will entice them to come to the great family of God. Thank you for being our great encourager. Guide us as we walk through this book. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you've already caught it, at least I hope you have, that Mary was encouraged by Elizabeth. And so Elizabeth is this great encourager. Let me walk through the paragraph with you, if I may, um, this way. Elizabeth, first of all, was an unintentional encourager. And let me show you what I mean by that. Watch this. Elizabeth, the angel announced to Mary, your relative has also conceived. Stay with me here. Elizabeth, your relative, please remember that there's a great distinction between Elizabeth and Mary. We've already learned that according to custom, a woman was betrothed between the age or around the age of 13 or 14. So when she was 13 or 14, most likely, she was already pregnant with the Lord Jesus. And now, in the narrative about Elizabeth, you learn that in her old age, she was at least beyond the childbearing age. And probably because of her relationship to a husband who was a priest, was much older, had been in that past childbearing age for a number of years. She could well have been anywhere in her 70s. And now she is with child as a relative of Mary in her old age. And Mary is with child as a teenager. By the way, uh, we don't know how she was related, Elizabeth to Mary or Mary to Elizabeth. But what we do know is they weren't first cousins, at least if they were cousins. There was a big age difference several times removed in their or in their relative relationship, their familial relationship. And so here is Mary getting the news. Someone much older than me, beyond childbearing age, is miraculously going to have a baby. And here I am, though the world and my own relatives misunderstand it, here I am a teenager getting ready to have a baby. Now I look back over my years of studying the Word of God and remembered those old stories that I learned long ago. And by the way, let me insert this. This is a conversation between Elizabeth and Mary, two women. And I want to suggest to you, much can be learned from godly women Sometimes some of the churches in our stripe of churches have forgotten that. Timothy, Paul said of him, you learned a great deal, I know. Foundational truths from your mother and your grandmother. And he named them. And I look back on my early years. And the first people I remember hearing about those Old Testament stories, miraculous stories. I heard them from my mother and both my maternal and paternal grandmothers. They were the first who taught me these Bible stories. And one of them I well remember, of course, is Joseph. You remember that one, right? Most of the book of Genesis is about Joseph, not about creation or even the flood. But it's about this guy named Joseph, and his life was so full of junk. Remember? He was hated by his brothers, and he was going to be killed by them until his younger brother interceded and said, let's just throw him in this dry well. And the caravan just happened by, 
And they sold him, pulled him out of that dry well, sold him into slavery, and went and lied to their dad about what happened to him. Then he went and served loyally as a slave in Potiphar's house in Egypt and was falsely in, uh, accused. Accused of immorality, not true. He ultimately was thrown into prison and then after prison, after all that junk and rejection in his life and false accusation, he ended up, to make a long story short, second in command in Egypt. And a great famine came. And what did God do? He used all that junk in his life to turn around and encourage, listen carefully, and encourage the very enemies in his family that wanted initially to put him to death. God used junk to make an encourager. Hello? I remember a story about a guy didn't have all that much junk in his life, but was miraculously called of God to lead the people of Israel out of that same Egypt that Joseph served in. His name was Moses. I want you to go and speak to my people and for my people. I can't do that. I stutter. Okay, I'll give you a guy who will speak for you and God provided Aaron who became his spokesperson and they went and uh, they delivered the message. Great power, God delivered them. Israel, under Moses' leadership from bondage. And Moses became a great shepherd encourager to the people of Israel as he led them out of captivity. And you would have thought they would have constantly applauded him. But time and again... His encouraging, shepherding heart had to come out. Oh, I know he failed here and there. But what made him such a great leader? His speaking ability? Not so much. He stuttered. What made him such a great leader? His shepherding ability? Not so much. Because no one really looked at Moses and said, Oh, how he loved you and me. What made him such a great leader? What made him such a great leader rested in a rod that he held in his hand. He put that rod down as a sign to the people, and that rod came to life in the form of a snake. And God said to him, pick that rod up. And it's like, if it's me, it's I'm so out of here. I am not into snakes. But by faith, he picked it up, and the serpent turned back into a rod. At the Red Sea, that rod was stretched out. What happened? The waters parted. <laughs> when they were about to die of thirst, what happened? That rod smote a rock. And what happened? Water came out to spare their lives. Time and again, Moses the shepherd was an encourager. By his own strength, something intentional in him, no, something God imposed on him and gave to him. It was a rod that God brought to life. So Moses was a great encourager. In some ways unintentionally, that is, by that I simply mean, without any natural ability. It's all something that God was at work doing. Same thing true in Joseph's life. It's not natural for him to respond well to those who were his enemies in his own family. But somehow God transformed the heart and used the junk in this life to encourage the enemies. God used the rod in, Joseph, in Moses' life to encourage his then, of course, there's the story of Joshua. Joshua, not a shepherd, but a commander. They were at war 
when they moved to take the promised land. And so Joshua was a far different leader. And as he moved to go into the promised land, you remember he spied out that city. And as my grandmothers and my mother taught me, he was spying out the city when the captain of the hosts of Israel appeared to him. And when the captain of the hosts of Israel appeared to him, Joshua asked a great question, friend or foe? <laughs> the captain of the hosts of Israel said, in essence, I'm friend, the captain of the hosts of Israel. It was the Lord. And let me give you a plan, Joshua. And Joshua followed that plan, and he became, by following that plan, a encourager and encourager to the people of Israel who saw the walls come tumbling down. And you remember that plan, don't you? March around the city of Jericho once a day for seven days. On the seventh day, march around it seven times. Shout and blow the trumpets as loud as you can and the city is yours. Now I know you and I know the end of the story, but if we didn't, we'd go say what? You want me to do what? Yeah, let me encourage you people. Follow me. Let's march around the city once a day for seven days. And on the seventh day, let's do it seven times and yell. And watch God give the victory. The proof of leadership is, is anybody following. And if I said, let's do that today, you'd probably say, yeah, go ahead, Larry. We're right behind you. Uh-huh. Are you with me? What made him such a great, victorious encourager of Israel? It was nothing normal, natural in and of himself. He heard from God. God powerfully worked on his behalf and on the behalf of his own people, Israel. Just like Moses, just like Joshua, just like Joseph, so in Elizabeth's life. What made her an encourager to, Elizabeth, to uh, Mary before she even went to talk to her? It was the fact that God had already marvelously worked in her life, just like he had worked in the life of Mary. Put yourself in Mary's place. Whoa, I'm a teenager. Pregnant, miraculously, nobody else understands. It's like God says, oh yeah, there is somebody else. She's much older and on the other end of motherhood in the spectrum. She miraculously is pregnant. Go talk to her. And whether it's junk or miracles in your God story, just the fact that somebody else knows is an encouragement beyond measure. Maybe it's because misery likes company. Or maybe it's because God takes my story and uses what he has done to help others who are in the same predicament. Hello? She was already an encourager before ever they had a conversation. Because God worked in her life just as God worked in Mary's life. Don't leave it there. It wasn't enough that there was an unintentional encouragement. For as the story moves on, Elizabeth is now an intentional encourager. And I love the way it's described. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Elizabeth spoke loudly to Mary. Just put yourself in their shoes. Here comes this teenage girl, probably not yet even showing. But somehow Elizabeth knew already that Mary was with child and here Elizabeth is six months pregnant and as she enters the room Mary doesn't even have to say oh Elizabeth I don't know what to do 
For somehow there is this sense on Elizabeth's part, and I, I really believe, and I think the text bears it out, that it was God revealing to Mary the broke or to Elizabeth the brokenness of Mary. And Elizabeth needs to say something to encourage her, and so she speaks. Oh my beloved. You ever been there? At a point in time in life when you just needed somebody to say something to you. Please, speak to me. At least let me know that you understand something difficult is going on in my life. Mary misunderstood by her own family and certainly by the culture in that tiny city she lived in. The whole city would have known by now she's betrothed to Joseph and is pregnant and it isn't Joseph's child. What do you think they were doing? They were having their Baptist committee meetings to discuss the shame of it all. And what Mary needed was somebody just to speak, to verbalize it, to say something to it. Every Sunday morning, I come to this place a little before 8.30, and I get all geared up for the service, and then I walk to just about the last room down that end of the hall and turn left down another hall and go to a back corner room. Anywhere from four to eight men are there to pray for the service, and never once has it failed. Four to eight men have spoke to God on my behalf every Sunday morning without exception. Just to hear somebody speak to you and is encouragement beyond measure. You know? Elizabeth could say like nobody else, I get it, Mary. I understand. She verbalized it. She said it. It's not enough to say, here's a plate of cookies or a cup or a pie. Though pie goes a long way. So do the cookies. But it's not enough to say, could I babysit for you and Joseph after the baby is born to give you some free time? That's not what she said. In essence, just by speaking, she's saying, I get it, Mary. Now stay with me. But she didn't just speak. Do you see what's put in all capital letters on the screen? She spoke with a loud voice. Now, this is pretty cool to me. Shouts out two things to me. One, very often, especially in the Old Testament, sometimes in the New, when God is at work doing something big, the people respond with big worship. And I'm going... Yeah, what we sang this morning, I can sure I see happening in the Baptist church. I am free to dance. Yeah, right. <laughs> when God shows up big time, have you ever learned just to let go and praise him? with soul, with voice, with mind, with heart, I get it, and with body, Baptist. God deserves that when he shows up big time. And God showed up that day for, as you read in the narrative with me, when the Mary, when Mary showed up and that baby yet in her womb the baby in the womb of Mary leaped for joy. 
For he was in the presence of Jesus, God the Savior. And Elizabeth knew it. And it's a God moment. She lets it all loose. God, my God. And the mother of Jesus is here. I think you need to know how much that encouraged Mary. I don't know that we can comprehend it or I can put it in words. But a broken girl who's heard nothing but behind the scenes gossip shows up at Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth, the first thing she does is loudly praises God for that baby that everybody else is gossiping. What a different view Elizabeth had. Oh, my beloved. I wish I could be like her more. I want to be more like her. I don't want to just look out and see what's wrong and talk about it. I want to talk about my big God and what he's doing with all the appears to be wrong. He's still at work, making all things work together for his glory and our good. Then there's one other thing about the loud voice, and I've got to move on. Simply this. You've got to know in that first century that they didn't live in subdivisions where houses were lots apart. You know, 40, 50 yards apart or feet apart. Houses shared walls. And windows were not closed. If they were, they were just with boards with cracks in them. And you could hear everything that goes on inside the house. How would you like to live in a place like that? Not only the pastor might find out, but your neighbor might find out what really goes on in your house, right? And Elizabeth, what really goes on in your house? Pretty powerful. She wanted everybody to hear and probably had little idea that others probably were listening in, but with people that close in her house, everybody around had to hear and it soon was spread around. She was an encourager, not just to Mary, but to any and all who would listen. And in encouraging one, you've got to get this. The reality is that multiplies far beyond what you will ever comprehend or know until you and I get to heaven. One word loudly spoken to one becomes an encouragement to masses and sometimes generations to come. And I've come to say this morning, Elizabeth is still speaking encouragement 2,000 years later. You want a legacy? You kids don't care about that stuff. Us old people do. I want to be known somebody who knew how to encourage people when they needed encouragement. I want that passed from generation to generation to generation. I want the fifth and sixth and seventh generation of my family to know that the first and second and third generation after me, whenever they needed encouragement, just called to heaven called Grandpa and knew they weren't going to get stones but help. And in these, I started to say, yellow leaf years of my life. But 80's a new 60, so 64 is a new 44. In these remaining 40 or 50 years of my life, I want church after church after church 
us together that brings to honor him. It's not about me, beloved. It's about you looking at people like Elizabeth and saying, we got to be that kind of people. Because I'm convinced the difference between us and the world is not the clothes we wear, whether we wear a tie and coat and a nice dress to church to worship, but it's all about attitude and mindset. Are we encouraged by the Lord in our junk times or in the miraculous times when God shows up big time? Are we encouraged by Him and we inevitably pass that on? That, my beloved, is the way we're light and salt far more than Bible thumping, gospel preaching. You're going to hell if you don't accept the pressure of coming to Christ. I don't want people to come just out of fear, though that's not the worst motivated motivation in all the world. I want you to come to Christ because He's the answer for all of life. Without him, you have no hope to handle anything. With him, you can handle anything. And just, just enough time to mention this one. Elizabeth, a humble encourager. It's the last thing I see in the text about her. Still with a loud voice, she's asking a question. Oh God, why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. Now, how encouraging do you think that was to Mary? Is there a difference in saying, it is fitting that this be granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And asking from a humble heart, why is this granted to me? I've done nothing to gain the favor of bearing the forerunner of Christ, I've nothing to gain the favor of having in my presence this exalted teenager. I couldn't help but remember all those people who in my teenage years when I said to a church and to my family, God's calling me to ministry to serve the Lord. I felt so inadequate. I told you the stories before. I, I wouldn't even go up to a cashier at McDonald's and order French fries. I couldn't talk to people. And I told them, God wants me in ministry. I believe that. Person after person. Starting with my father who walked up to me the day I said that to him and he said Larry if you can do anything else but be a pastor do it I think he knew what being a pastor would be like it'd be great if it weren't for people <laughs> I thought Brother Craddaville would have said amen really loudly And he said, but if God called you, don't stoop to be the president. That said to me, you can be anything God wants you to be. Could I encourage you? Somebody around you needs to humble expression of encouragement. There are things in what society would view that is the lowest of people in our culture. There are things in everyone, including, I don't like putting it this way, but including the lowest among us that they can do far superior to the greatest among us. Because God has called every one of us to serve him.
understood that when they called the church ministers. They didn't call pastors ministers. He called the church members ministers. And in his heart, he understood and taught every church, nearly every letter he wrote the New Testament. He referred to the value of the lowest. some years old saying to a teenager I'm humbled that God let me be in your presence what a mindset your turn so God always comforts his own you believe that I told you the story of my sister middle sister who died of Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. She was always afraid, this is literally true, she was always afraid that when she got old, she would be one of these crabby old people who curse, uh, lose their mind and start cursing others and and, uh, cursing God. She didn't ever want to be that kind of person. And she said, well, God's answered my prayer. The day she found out she had ALS and was diagnosed with it and had about two and a half to three years to live, the day she heard that, she said, well, God's answered my two prayers. I'm not going to grow old and go out of my mind. I will have my mind when I die. And then she said, and I'm not going to therefore curse anyone because with ALS and Lou Gehrig's disease, you can't talk by the end of your life. And so she said, what a great God. I'm going to have my mind, and I can't curse anyone. thought about that a lot. She died in her early 50s. Thought about that a lot. And I thought, Linda, I agree with you. I don't want to die out of my mind cursing people. And in my older years, I don't want to be what a lot of people are. Crabby. I want to be careful how I say that because the older I get, the more I hurt. My knee, which is why I now sit most of the time when I teach. My shoulder for three months has been giving me fits. And I gotta wait till Medicare in August to go find out what's wrong. Can you say poor Larry? Say it like you mean it. it's like to have some pain that draws your attention inward. Elizabeth could have done that. Mary could have done that. And many who are getting older and who are older, I understand that happens. But we have a bigger God than that. I don't want to be remembered as someone who goes around crapping about all the changes in life, including church life. And I'm going to be out of here soon so I can talk about this stuff. It's like, sorry, life's all about change. And it's good for me to accept what God is allowed. not long for yesterday. I'm not living in yesterday. He may as well take me home today. It's time for me to live in today. It's 
say what do you want to do with me today and what can I encourage you to do today to encourage others I want to encourage a worship team every week man don't they do a great job those who are serving our children and in our nursery. And there's a guy around here that gets little notice, but if he weren't doing what he's doing, you'd crap about it too. Scott does a marvelous job. There's nowhere to stop. Forgive me for even having started. I work with a staff of my beloved, I don't think this church knew their giftedness and value in the past. They're extremely valuable servants and shepherds of God in the office and shepherds beyond. My beloved, God's brought you through a great deal, and as he has, I want to bring it back to this concept, as he has, there are many who have encouraged us, and now it's time for you to have accepted the encouragement that has come from God. And having accepted that, what does he want us to do? As God has comforted you through what you've been through, he has done it so that you can comfort others with the comfort wherewith you were comforted. That's why he has done it. A few weeks ago, a church just 20 minutes from you their pastor had a homosexual relationship and took a bunch of the people and started another church. You think you've got anything you could build into them if you had that opportunity? What God has comforted you with, you can take to them if he and when he opens that door. The next time you face a major event. I don't know what 2014 will bring, but if it brings another major event at HBC, I will not have done my job if you are not encouraged and able to be an encouragement the next time a big event comes. Right? Right. Oh, God, help us to be encouragers. Stand with me, please. We're not going to sing this morning, but I'd like to do this. If you would, bow your heads and hearts before the Lord. My friend, if you've never had a God story, nobody looking around, please. You've never had a God story, a miraculous thing, God showing up big time when you were in need and you looked to God and had trusted in his son, you knew something of the presence of the Lord. If you've never known what that's like, that may mean that you've never accepted the very reason for Christmas. Christ came to be your Savior and your great miracle worker, if you will, your great encourager in life. And if you don't know him and don't have that comfort from above, you might want to pray with me something like this this morning. Father God, I'm not even sure I know you. I'm not even sure I can say you've shown up in my life. I know it's not because of you. It's because of me that I haven't seen you. Today, I accept Jesus, Jesus, my Savior. And I, because of his work, accept the fact that I am now your child. Accept me as your son, your daughter.
please say something to the person who invited you. I'll be here in the front. Say something to me. Come, come out through the front and then the back, please. And let's talk together. I want to rejoice with you that today you accepted that seat. Now, nobody else looking around. One more thing. Those of you who know Christ, who've accepted him as your Savior, I don't know. You may need encouragement today. I'm praying that we will be sensitive to you. At the same time, my encouragement is this. Commit to be an encourager in this new year that we're getting ready to head into. And I'd like you to make a commitment to God. Would you say, Pastor Larry, I want to commit to God today to be an encourager? And will you pray for me that I will be exactly that as God gives me an opportunity in 2014? With nobody else looking around, that's you and me, pastor and flock. You slip your hand up and say, I'm making that commitment, and I want you to pray with me and for me. Did you do that? God bless you, many all over. Father, thank you for what you called us to be, encouragers of each other. Thank you for the example of Elizabeth. Don't let us walk out unchanged, unaltered. Don't let us walk out the same way we came in, but make us different, especially in this area of encouragement. Granted for Jesus' sake, in his name we pray. Amen.